when we came up with this episode, we thought we were going to talk about running back rankings. And what ended up happening was an hour and 45 minute long conversation that devolved from running back rankings and how to build tiers to, well, pretty much everything you need to get a psychology degree on making trades, how to make trades viable, and what to look for. We apologize that the show is this long, but we hope that you stick it out through to the end, because it will not let you down. Enjoy. It's Tuesday night, and that can only mean one thing, is that you are locked in wherever you are, on your cell phones, on your computers, on your laptops, or gaming consoles, doesn't matter. You are sitting down, locked in, with Dynasty Points, the number one provider for Dynasty video content here at FantasyPoints.com. The welcome wagon has been rolled out. For us here over the last three weeks, bringing you top-down, top-tier content for you Dynasty DGens. Like myself, I, of course, am your host with the most time on hands. I am Thomas Tipple. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. And back, semi-back, in the midst of traveling, all the way from a hotel, we have Lucas Gilbert back with us today to talk running back rankings, probably the position that we get asked the most questions about. Let's be honest. It's the most volatile position in fantasy football. It can change in a blink of an eye. A dynasty running back's value could plummet with a stub toe and a tweak of a knee. We saw it. Travis Etienne was RB1 for three weeks, and then he was RB8 because he had three bad games last year. Like, it changes so drastically so today gentlemen what we are here to do is talk about the benefits of tier-based ranking we're going to talk about who we have where and then take some questions from the people to get us going first off jacob when are you updating your rankings at thinking about thinking uh so it's basically probably tomorrow first thing in the morning depending on how late i finish them tonight um, we're doing like dynasty rankings typically get updated every two weeks. Although I kind of did a periodic update last week. So I'm not sure how the full dynasty ranks updated, but the running back ranks, which is something that I don't do. I mean, you'll see my running back rankings get updated every time I do a dynasty rankings because they get updated. But for people who have been um, following me over a while, I have the annotated running back tiers, which is a little bit different. So in addition to a straight ranking, what I also do is I give everyone an asset classification on four different categories. So everybody gets a production classification, a contingent value classification, their asset class for younger players, and then an age modifier. And so this results in sort of this color-coded four-category tiering system that you see on the sheet. Plus, I add some notes. You just get my written thoughts about the player. So it's a little bit more of a detailed project i cluster them out in addition to just tiering them um by productive value players buying power players it's a much more expansive process which is why i do it 
only three or four times per off season. And then I'm doing my mid season update. So that'll all go live. They're all ranked. They're all clustered. They're ready to rock. The only thing that they aren't right now is all the notes aren't written up. So if you're listening here, we'll talk them through. If you are thinking about thinking of subscriber, you will get it in your inbox probably within 24 hours. Exclusive update here on dynasty points for Jacob's uh, picking Jacob's RB brain. Lucas, you are probably the more grounded type player of the group. Uh, I think Jacob and I are kind of extremists in our trains of thought. Um, but you are kind of the more level headed player from, from my, the way I view things anyway. Um, how do you approach the dynasty RB landscape in general? So I do like to try to be the voice of the people here. Uh, the voice of the inexperienced dynasty manager who says stupid things from time to time. But it's stupid things that lead to growth. And that's what we all need to do is grow here. Uh, I'm looking at the dynasty landscape more so from trying to find those players who in a position that loses value very quickly, which players are going to maintain or get a little bit more value as you hold on to them. What I've been trying to do, especially this season, is look at it more from those who can actually help me now and then moving them wherever I need to after I've gotten the value I need to to help my team. So it's not just going after the super young guys who are 23 or younger and everyone else right. is dead to me, but going after some of the older players like whenever Zach Moss was relevant for a really long time, trying to have <laughs> Zach Moss, uh, even though it's ugly, Brian Robinson's been, he's a top 12 RB right now, but looking for players that aren't necessarily the, the studs, but the ones who are going to help you win your leagues or players who you can hold on to and get value for to the right. more competing teams right now. Right. So you're, you're more looking at the RB churning out process more than the uh, just targeting the, the, the elites, not even the provens, but the elites. I feel like that's yeah. a clear, clear distinction. So let's jump. Running back shouldn't be a still. It should not be a still sort of position on your dynasty mm -hmm. rosters. It needs right. to be extremely dynamic because the, the value is the most volatile out of any other position in fantasy right. football. So Definitely have to be paying attention to it. Definitely need to be churning through them, unless you have Bijan Robinson. But <laughs> even that's been a little painful right. this season. Often not fun this year. No. no, and I mean reports earlier that he's coming back, but we'll see. That's classic owner. Uh, we lost Lucas. Uh, what just happened? I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't always buy that stuff. Like we get a lot of the mid-season reports on a coach being safe for the following year are are like historically the worst reports ever because you know, like you never get a report that a coach who's actively doing well is safe the following year, right? Like it's not yeah. like the lions are going to come out and be like, Hey guys, just so you know, I talked to ownership and Dan Campbell's safe next year. It's like, yeah, we, we know that Dan yeah, Campbell's safe we, next year. It's it. always like some team with some reporter. That's like this coach that's just clearly going to get fired. Like contrarian view maybe he won't be. And then usually what happens is like that team then just keeps losing and then they do get fired. Like I remember like Matt rule last year went from, he is like safe for life to he's safe next year to he's safe through the end of the season to he got fired this morning in like the period of a month. Like yeah. these things changed pretty darn quick. 
we talk about not listening to coach speak. And I think that's, that's definitely a big part of it. But as yeah. we were talking, like, I think this is literally Luke, coach speak is just like speak yeah. about coaches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, so zero RB has been kind of the talk of the town the last couple of years, like, especially with obviously it, you know, I guess that was more of a hero RB approach winning a uh, best ball mania, but zero RB and being anti RB is kind of the in it's, it, it's the in it's now. And I think Hunter will start it off with a question. This question came in at, 6 30 he was ready so hunter stantine we appreciate the question i want to kick it off with this because i feel like this question kind of sets the table for the rest of the running back discussion so let's just get right to that as soon as my mouse will go to my middle monitor at what point does the overall environment become so hostile to running backs that they are worth the injury risk slash short shelf life and you start buying. Are there still tiers you fade even at a discount? And he continues with Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, now maybe Najee, high draft capital bell cows that saw efficiency decrease and then fell off a cliff. Anyone else fit that mold that we should be trying to sell? So this is a two-part question. We'll get through the first part. At what point does the running back environment get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm just buying player... A player B because the price has just fallen entirely too far. I'll lead my favorite example of this was DeAndre Swift this offseason. He went from insanely too high value to where he's going in the second round, then he settled to the fourth and the fifth the year after, and then he just dropped entirely too far and we bought in to a benefit. So Swift is the perfect example of this to me, but I will start with Jacob here. How does how would you approach the question? Um, it's a little hard, um, a little hard for me to kind of scrutinize what this question means. It's so hostile to running backs that they're worth the injury risk, and you start buying. Um, I guess was, I, I guess I don't really understand if it's hostile that I would then start buying. I, I guess I guess the idea is that it, there's that there's a scarcity effect. I think maybe that's what he's right. getting at. Yeah, I think um, definitely. That's what I took yeah. out of my example. Okay, so so I think that it's definitely a – I mean, yeah, and basically any time that you're able to get, like, the discount priced in on a running back, right, that's probably when you want to be doing that. So if you can buy existing injured running backs or, you know, running backs where the usage isn't going their way, right, like Gibbs would be a great example of this this season where it was like he was – you know, pretty universally valued as a top five guy coming into the season. And then like, you know, all of the risk that we already knew was there. And and frankly, like, you know, if, if you just ask someone in the summer, like what's the most likely scenario for Gibbs, it probably would have been like, oh, well, he probably has kind of a slow start and then he finishes really strong. Um, and like, that's exactly what's happened. But yet we still right. like reacted really hard to the slow start. And so, you know, not to say that what, look, What's transpired over the last while, I think, was the most likely scenario. It was not an inevitable scenario. So it's certainly much better to be buying a player like Gibbs when people are pricing in the worst and they're not pricing in the best case scenario for sure. Um, so it's nice. I, I think it's like, I think it's totally fair. I know some players have 
views on the running back position where it's just like, I'm never spend, I'm never allocating more than X value to a running back. Right. So that just means I'm missing out on the Bijan. If I miss means I'm missing out on the brief, whatever. I'm just never, I'm, I'm going to only buy my running backs for like a first or less. Um, and then we'll just turn the position. And I think that works pretty well if you're in like a highly liquid league. Right. I think that's part of it too. There's certainly plenty of leagues where, you know, there's a premium on draft capital People are, are always active. They want to make moves. And so, yeah, you can get like a Najee Harris type who is like going to be in the league for a while and going to be startable for a while for like a 25 second. Or David Montgomery, perfect example of a guy who's just always freely available, very cheap. James Conner's always been freely available in these types of leagues. And yeah, if you can just like churn out running back points kind of on a year to year, week to week basis. That's probably my preference if it's a super active league, but it, it depends on the league. Like you get certain, like, you know, I'll use our Tom and I's home league as an example. Like not, it's kind of a tough league and about half the league is very active and the other half isn't. It's also been a league that's been around for several years now. So it's pretty stratified. You, you get kind of every year, there's like a couple of high value teams that are competing and there's a couple of pretty high value teams that are not competing because again, you can't really make that many trades. So it's hard to like, it's, it's hard to just sustain. And then you get a bunch of teams in the middle, some of which have reasonable value and some teams just have no value and no players to trade for. And other people never check their direct messages. <laughs> like, if you want. So like realistically the, your chances of like, I want to just trade a late two and get a starter, not super high. In, in a league like that, right? right. Um, and similarly, your your odds of, oh, I have this player who's producing that's on my bench. I don't need them. I like to cash them out for a pick. Also not particularly high. So right. like realistically, I think I'm more drawn to, look, I can't assume anything is liquid here. So I kind of want to stack premium youth assets at all my positions if I have the value to do so, because I can't just assume that I'll be able to grab a guy for a two and then when I need him and then sell a guy for a two when I don't need him. Right. Uh, Jonathan, uh, not OP, but I think it's a cue about market sentiment, hostile overall environment equal to market fading RB because everyone's gun shy about inherent fragility for running backs, i.e. do you zig when others zag? Uh, yeah, and that's kind of what Jacob just broke down. Um, I think it's... Oh man, it can be tough. So there are situations that I just don't want to trade into because their prices don't actually reflect what's happening. So let's look at Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was a buy heading into the year, right? Lucas, we were, we were all like, yeah, Saquon Barkley bounce back. The offense is looking better. He's, you know, a year healthier, 26 years old. He's still got some of that elite production, and it's the team has fallen apart. He's 26, 27. He's going to have a questionable contract situation. He's not a dynasty running back that I want to be buying into. I would rather go on either end of the spectrum. I would rather do what I did where I spent two late ones and went and got a Travis ETN, or I would rather tear off of Barkley all the way down to somebody like Rashad white and net a pit, a pick back while I can. Um, is how I approach these things, but it, it can be difficult to do. So I think your micro market determines a lot of that. I think that's a very important 
stance to have. You've been selling a lot of running backs, though, Lucas. So is it? I I've been trying to sell more than I've actually sold, which is making me really sad. I have Devin Singletary, who is single-handedly keeping me from being the 12 seed in one of our okay. leagues, and I'm so sad then about just, it. Then just drop him. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> He's too polite to do that. I, I can't just drop him. I'm like, I don't know. Regardless, maybe what are you asking? What are you asking for? You're the problem here. You I'm asking for one. a fourth, and no one will give me a fourth. Look, this is this is very simple. If there's a player on your team that no one will give you a fourth for, that's what the drop button is for. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I will say it seems. It, it's like hurts me entirely. I feel like I feel like Don Draper. That's what the money is for. <laughs> it just it hurts my soul to drop someone it. who just scored twenty five fantasy points. It does. Like I, I I can't bring myself to do it. But yeah, it's me. Hi, but someone should I'm trade the problem. It's me. No, some look. Someone should trade you. Uh, this is like the this is the two wrongs don't make a right thing, right? I always get into these discussions with people. Someone's like. What am I like dumb for turning for turning down like a second for Keenan Allen on this one and nine team? And I'm like, look, like they're like people should be offering more. It's like I think both of you are dumb. I think I think people should offer you more than a second for Keenan Allen. But if they aren't and you're one and nine, I think you should take the second for Keenan Allen. Like I, I've, but two wrongs don't make a right. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is like, look, if I was in your league right now, I teleport into your league. I guarantee you I'd offer you a fourth for Devin Singletary. You can take that to the bank. Please do. Um, Please do. I'm easy but, right now, okay? Super easy. But you much like Larry Bird, dinner, I'm not walking right? through that door. So, <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, spite, it's like, oh, well, I have I have Drake May instead of Caleb Williams, but what else did you get in the trade? Well, I got spite, you know. I, I, I spited my league mates. So you're, tra- you're trading Caleb for Drake May plus spite. Like to to go back to the question and it's all good. No, I'm you're here to steer the show. I'm here to derail the show. Yeah. Uh, Speaking (laughs) of that, uh, I actually at the end of our most recent episode, Drew and I were like, "Why does our show always go off the rails?" And it was like because neither of us are hosts. Like we don't have like a Tom or like (laughs) someone to be like next subject. Like it's like two people who aren't hosting, co-hosting. But what that means is we just we just keep talking. And right. It just never ends. <laughs> hey, that's sweating bullets, by the way. Also, yeah, yeah. phenomenal content. So, so you're asking question though, like getting back to that, I think yeah. that the expectations that we as fantasy managers put on these running backs is what makes it so hostile. And outside of just the way your league's operating in, you need to be okay with having an expectation that's different than what the general fantasy community has and finding those advantages inside of that, especially on some of the fragile or the old, the gross assets. Like the James Connors are helping people win leagues, or at least he was last year. I know he's been hurt. That's a whole other thing. Oh, he'll help down the stretch. I guarantee you he'll help down the stretch. Yeah, Devin Singletary is going to help somebody win a league this year, and I can't even sell him for a fourth. Zach Moss is – Probably why some of the teams in your leagues are in first right now, and you're looking at them and going, this is gross. This makes no sense. There's so much value out there because people can't match the production with the expectations they had going in. And it's also why people are way overpriced at certain times. 
gotta find whenever that's happening take advantage of it and i something that i at least struggle with as a fantasy manager is matching expectations with a lack of production or lack of obvious ways to get to that elite production uh i i'm definitely a damian pierce uh sympathizer i won't say truther but sympathizer oh, i met him I that's, that's a great way to put it i agree with you i'm also a damian pierce sympathizer but i sympathize with I, everyone that drafted him living yeah. with their shame like I've never even I've never even been high on Pierce in terms of having a lot of them, but I've always just like appreciated watching him. And so most exactly. of my most of my like podcasting life has been me on a podcast with a Pierce hater, and I'm like I agree with you, but like man, he's pretty good. <laughs> so um, I have expectations. He's probably going to be a big buy this off season for me now that he's actually cheap. He was a buy for me last offseason whenever he was cheaper than he was as a rookie because I said, all right, my expectation for him just watching him is that when given the opportunity, he will be a good running back. And he's worth a second plus a little sprinkle on top of some bench spot that I don't care about and we'll move on with life. But he has not done that. It makes me really sad, and I hate that I invested so much in them. But that was a time where my expectations overseeded like what his actual production was or what his real path to production was. And that's that's just what you have to balance here in this really gross running back environment is finding where those discrepancies are. I had an idea of what the show was going to be, but we're just going to fucking derail it right now. Uh <laughs> No, I think running back is one of the positions where you have to factor in why these things are happening. Damian Pierce is less successful because they overhauled the system that he's in. So if he's on this same team next year with this same offensive coordinator and they're running the zone scheme, the Shanahan scheme, guess what? Pierce is not going to be that guy that is as successful. And now you're just holding an RB3 down with weight. Um it, it it no, I'm not buying Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce's time was fun. It was a good ride for like six weeks last year, but it's Jover. Um, I'm I'm not. I can't. I can't do it. Where where do I have him ranked? I think I have him all the way down. Oh my god, he's RB twenty nine for me, and I think he's gonna stay there. Where do I have him until he until he goes lower? Of course, my ranks are almost impossible to actually count, which is the yes. point. I just, I just, you know, I try to obscure anything resembling um, an actual rankings ranking system from the rankings. Um, so You're, he's way down there. So he's, you want to hear something yeah. gross, Thomas? Tom Tipple. He is my RB thirty-three, and I know I'm dropping him lower whenever I do my ranks. Oh, that's Ooh. no, that's way too low. Boom goes to dynamite. I'm, I'm going in the opposite direction. I, I know that I'm slightly overcorrecting here. No, it's just I'm, I'm losing so much faith in him because. Oh, I never mind. Never mind. That's anymore. not that's not too low. I have him. Yeah. I have him ranked like, like around there. How am I the um, highest? I think I wait, the way <laughs> the way it looks the way it looks on my sheet. Is that he's like 38. He's not actually because of the way I have the things clustered out. I think he'd be like 34 or something. Okay, well let's talk about let's talk about these these tiers, Jacob. Uh, because we got off the rails there a little bit. We're gonna reel it back in. Um, let's talk about tiers. How do you determine who goes in what tier and what determines your cutoff? What are you using to cut this off? Because there are people out there that may not totally understand what we're talking about when we're talking about 
tier based ranking. Uh, I know traditionally it's one through 55 or whatever is the case, but we get asked a lot of trade questions. Would you trade running back a for this running back and a second round pick? And a lot of the time it comes down to where you have them tiered, where you have them ranked. Are you comfortable jumping with someone that you value equally the same to add a pick? I think, when people, if people get a grasp on that, I think it will solve most trade questions in the dynasty community. This is how I look at getting deals done most of the time. And speaking of trades, next week it's going to be an all trade episode. Uh, it is going to be trade theory, how to handle your trade deadline, trade questions, where that's all we're doing next week. And I'm going to have more on that a little bit later. But let's talk about how you determine these tiers. Because, for example, <laughs> You, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this away. Give you away. have Adrian Robinson tier of his own, number one. That's true. In the next tier, you have Gibbs and Hall, same as me. After that, uh, you have Taylor McCaffrey ETN. Now, what this means is you'd be happy either way, going from Taylor to McCaffrey, McCaffrey to ETN, ETN to Taylor to some degree. If there was a plus added on, then you have your A-Chan, and then Eckler-Walker, and then Barkley, Jacob, Swift, Javante, and then the tiers just start to separate themselves. And it may just seem random, but let's talk about how you get to those spots. So the way I always do my tiers is I do it in terms of, uh, in terms of pick valuations. So like one of the things I always try to say is like, you know, people always say like, what do you buy for? Like, buy, I, you know, a lot of times I see rankings and they'll either just have the ranks and they'll say like, oh, well, you buy the player so that I have higher than consensus or you, you sell the players that I have below consensus, whatever. It's hard to do that, especially for this because I don't update it very frequently. Um, and so what I what I try to do is, is in terms of having the tiers is like I try to capture, okay, what do I think this player is worth? What's their equilibrium price, right? So for instance, um, I have Brees Hall and, J- and Jameer Gibbs, but between two to two and a half base firsts. And I guess people, I don't know if I've ever talked about the base pick valuation system on the fantasy points airwaves. Um, so for people that are new to us, I've, I express my tiers and I express almost all trade valuations in terms of what I call base picks. And a base pick is doesn't actually exist in reality. It's basically a first in the following year that has an equal opportunity of landing in any of the 12 slots. So it's actually a little bit better than a mid first because just the difference between like picks one and six is just more substantial between seven and 12, but whatever, if you want to think of it in your mind as a mid first close enough, um, it's just a valuation tool. You won't find an actual pick like that, of course, in your actual league. Um, so basically I sort out the tiers by that system. Um, and then within the tiers, you know, it's either players that are kind of similar in terms of an asset class. So when I talk about an asset class, it's generally like, what are you using this player for, right? There's basically, you know, two sources of value on a player. What do they do for you now? And what might they do for you later in terms of both right. production and potential to accrue value? So Jameer Gibbs and Devon A. Chang, for instance, for instance, same asset class, right? They're both rookies. They're both running backs. They're both players that are going to have a certain level of production now. They're both players that you can reasonably expect to produce more later, all that stuff, you know, so you'll see like Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne 
in the same tier and they're mostly the same asset class. So in terms of, do I have a preference between them, them in the same tier basically says, I just don't really have a preference between them. You know, you want to give me one, you want to give me the other, I'll, you want to add a pick on top. I'll take the one with the pick on top. Now you see Christian McCaffrey in the tier with the two of them, you know, different asset class, right? That means essentially if I'm trying to win my league this year and I really need the points, right? If your position, if your team is set up, where Christian McCaffrey would be a very big difference maker for you, then I probably do prefer him than the other guys in that tier. And if that's not the case where you know McCaffrey's points aren't being utilized to really make the difference between your team as like a middling playoff team to an elite contender, then I'd probably rather have Taylor and Etienne in that situation. Um, so that's kind of what you'll see in the tiers. And you'll see it quite literally visually because of the color-coded asset classifications. So right. yeah. that's where basically you'll, you'll kind of see as you go down the tiers, these different color codings, and you'll start to see, okay, these are the people in this tier that's like, a, um, you know, they're like young players with starter-worthy production and questionable profiles. And then here, these are the vet players with starter-level production um, and they're aging or whatever else. Um, and then the other thing that I do in, in there is I start to sort out, um, in kind of the middle, really, once we start to get these wide divergences in terms of what these players are used for, I, I, I sort them further into clusters. So you'll see, for instance, tier six, early two, which is the value, right? Worth an early second round pick buying power cluster and production cluster. So Buying power is, is the term that I use to usually describe what people call value. So just the idea of like the, the value of this asset is not just what they're producing, but it's also what you can buy with that asset now and later. So for instance, in this tier, I have, they're all in the same tier, Rashad White, James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, David Montgomery, Tony Pollard, and Alvin Kamara. But they're totally different clusters where I have, you know, White, Cook, and Pacheco in the buying power cluster and the others in the production cluster. Similarly, you scroll down to the very lowest where I have this split out, which is a late two, early three tier. Buying power cluster, Nick Chubb, Tyler Algier, Jaleel McLaughlin, Kendra Miller, and Roshan Johnson, right? None of those players are, are, are graded out as starting assets this year um, for varying reasons, either right. injury or youth or whatever. I have some level of optimism about what they're going to be down the line versus you sort out same tier, Production cluster, Brian Robinson, Damian Pierce, Khalil Herbert, Raheem Mostert, Alexander Madison. Um, so that's kind of to give you a picture. I, I don't I put one cluster ahead of the other in the rankings. That doesn't actually mean anything. I, if I was to actually sort them out and linearly rank them, I would probably have them intermingled. I just think in terms of expressing sort of how I view these assets descriptively, I like to kind of have the like assets next to the like assets rather than, you know. Because how does, like, in a, if you're in a real league, right, it's one thing to rank them. But if you're in a real league, it's kind of a silly question to be like, yeah. well, do I prefer Joe Mixon or Keaton Mitchell? It's like, oh, I don't know. What's my, What the hell is my team like? Like, right. Yeah. right? It's like, like I, I would literally do that exact trade in either order, depending on the, the league that I'm in happily. Yeah. That's where um, when we always ask for more information, I mean, that's part of it. I think that's a great great way to look at it. Depeche has a great question. Uh, why is a Chan so much lower in the tier than Gibbs? Yeah. Um, it would just, it would basically be two things. Um, or I guess three things really. 
Um, one being draft capital. Yep. Um, that's the biggest thing, right? Like Gibbs is going to continue to get multiple chances, right? If Gibbs suffers an injury, he's just going to walk right back into his role. Um, if Gibbs starts to underperform for a while, he's probably still going to be continued to fed, uh, get fed more opportunities. Like he, he gets a lot longer of a leash to have bad things happen to him or for him to do bad things. Um, never want to happen. Exactly. But like, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Yes. When you're the 12th overall pick, like you have to fail repeatedly. Like you have to get hurt and get hurt again. You have to be bad for like multiple seasons. Like it's held his value for years. Like to put like team to team example, Twift held value for years. Right. Like let's like, even if you look at some examples, like Travis Etienne misses entire first season with a broken foot. Right. And was still granted an opportunity to come back and eventually earn a bell cow role under a different coaching staff and a different management group even. Right. So that's um, Najee Harris um, has been bad for like almost his entire NFL career. And, you know, is continuing to be the lead back uh, even into this year even as his role is coming out. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got three years worth of chances, right? So I'm not saying Gibbs is going to be bad, but he's, so that's a big thing. Uh, pass catching is another thing. Like HN has been dynamic in the receiving game, but really not um, on the same volume level than what Gibbs has been force fed. Um, and then the health like is, you know, one other aspect where right. uh, HN is coming off of an injury. We'll see what he looks like coming back. Um, he's been the more, yeah, I mean, Depeche saying wouldn't production like a chance give him a bigger leash. I mean, yes and no, but it's, you know, he's going to need to continue to earn his keep, right? Yeah. Right and- now we're frozen in time. He's coming back injured. But like, and look, to be clear, I don't expect this to happen. I think a chance incredible. And I've always thought so. But like, let's let's say he comes back and he's coming off, you know, reasonable injury and he's not very good for the rest of the year. We don't see those explosive plays, right? Like, Realistically, their projection rest of the season, if both are healthy, is, is kind of similar. They're both in really fun offenses. They're both probably going to be seeing half the work in a backfield that can produce a ton of fantasy points for a player seeing half the work. But there's just more risk to it um, with HN than Gibbs. He's a lot more fragile. So I, I would happily pay a little extra on top of HN after what we've seen from Gibbs, you know, where we just don't have to worry about the concern of betting on you know, a, a third round pick with some size outlier stuff with some injury stuff. It's, it's a similar bet, but I think Gibbs is a much less risky bet. So Jacob, I have a question for you. Uh, I like how you were laying out how you're doing your tiers and how you're trying to group players together, even inside their own tiers, but doing like these little buckets of players. I really like that. Something that I'm usually doing inside my tier rankings, it might have too much sway in how I, tier running backs is how I personally would feel about them if they were on my roster and whether or not I'm happy that they're on my roster from terms of like, yes, they're giving me production, but I know that they have no value or their only value is to me just having them on there versus me wanting to get rid of them because I know there's value, but I don't feel comfortable in how safe that production is going to be and vice versa. So I try to do an agnostic of where I believe my team is in terms of that. And I know that the context behind how your team's performing has a lot to do with how you should be acquiring rosters or acquiring players, how you should be handling your roster and your whole strategy. But how much of it do you put into like, I don't know 
what my team is, but this is just how I generally feel if this player were on my roster. Um, I'm not super sure what you mean. Like I, I would always like I would I would always view every rank in terms of what their value would would be on on my team, but also on anyone's team. Like I don't know. Like I'm I'm not sure. I, I try to like just rank them based on what I think that they are, in my opinion, worth as at their break-even price. Um you know, and I and I then put the asset classifications that I think should make pretty clear, like, you know, only certain teams should want a Joe Mixon on their team or a Derrick Henry on their mm-hmm. team. But I, I try to view it from the perspective of, like, what this player be worth under the assumption that they're useful to me. Fair enough. So I think Brian Robinson's a really good example of this right now. I am extremely happy to have Brian Robinson on my teams. But I'm not actively wanting to go out there and acquire more of Brian Robinson. And I don't necessarily want to sell him because I know his value uh, isn't as high as I want it to, to be. get tilted. I'm about to get yeah. tilted, but he's been producing. So it's somebody that I keep, he keeps creeping up my rankings because I know that he's good for the production of my team, but he doesn't really help See, in terms of value. And he's not like a, an aging vet. He's not like a Derrick Henry or someone else who definitely produces, but you know that there's that, age factor that's always looming over i just i think he's a very interesting test case right just i try to never i try to never ever 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 think of how other people might view my players correct okay i i it's like my number one pet peeve in the fantasy industry is is people like doing this weird game where we're like i want to value this player because i think other people might like them more like we our perception as an industry like changes so frequently like mm-hmm. Dak Prescott was like persona non grata like four weeks ago now he's incredible like the, the cycle of Dak continues um you know CD Lamb was a fake alpha now it's like what's the difference between Chase and Lamb really like uh, we in terms of the players of like who everybody likes and dislikes changes so frequently like so to me what I try to think about is just what do I think this player is worth basically in terms of like their production now and any sort of expectation for their production later. And then I just kind of put them at that slot. And so if, if the value that he is attainable at a player is attainable at comes in consistently below what I think that they're worth, then that that's, you know, those are the players I end up buying more frequently. Um, and the, the players who are generally sellable at the value that's above what I think that they're worth, you know, those are the players that are, are certainly, um, wind up being off my team so like for a brian robinson or whatever like i i don't i don't really rank him with a lot of thought to you know do other people like him or not for me it's more a matter of like what do i think this guy's current production is worth what i think is are his chances of maintaining in a role in the future and what do i think that role will be for fantasy and then like overall what do i think that's worth in terms of a pick value i, I think i have him if i had to check i'm guessing i'm like Either my mid two tier, or my early two tier. Um, you put him near Damian Pierce, if I if my memory serves me right. I'm I'm oh I'm at the top of my late two tier. Yeah, and I think that's like this week was pretty incredible for him, but he's also had plenty of weeks where he's not really all that used in the passing game, and he's in a split in terms right. of you know early down. So to me, I consider him like a streamer. Like if I'm projecting his production over the rest okay. of the season, I think it's going to be in that like probably 11 to 12 points per game range based on what his role is in the context of the offense. I know he's been overperforming that in certain games this year. And that's like, 
you know, so to me, I probably need either a lot of confidence in the talent of a player or they need to be like starting level value for me to want to roster a guy at like a mid two or an early two level. So he's still in that late two um, value range for me. I know to other people, he's worth a lot more than that. So, you know, I've once a lot of, I've once upon a time, I've had a lot of Brian Robinson on my teams. I drafted a ton of them in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much left. That's still on the yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I think, I think part of the benefit to your point, Lucas, is that I feel like as portfolio players, you don't get the benefit of holding on to someone in hopes of like, someone's going to like them more eventually, uh, because you'll just, in my opinion, I just lose track of too many players in that sense. Like I'm constantly just trying to turn out, like if somebody's value becomes an outlier, I'm making that move. So if, uh, let's say for example, Jerome Ford, if Jerome Ford absolutely goes nuclear the next three weeks and his value jumps, like somebody perceives him as worth that first round pick, regardless of what I think of him, I'm moving him. Because that's not where I have him. That's not what I think of him. But his value has become an outlier. Whereas if his value dropped so far down that somebody's willing to give him to me for like a third because he like sprained his hamstring or something, I'm I'm probably gonna buy it. Right. So, Brian Robinson is almost a perfect example of this, actually, in the sense that like, you know, like when I I, I drafted tons of in rookie drafts. He was drafted um, players in rookie drafts, but like. It wasn't as much. Well, I, I was never thinking like, oh, like one day people will like Brian Robinson as much as I do. Like it was more just mm-hmm. hmm, like this guy is, you know, he's OK. And I think he has a pretty good chance to start for this team at some point. And I don't know what that's worth, but it's probably worth a third round rookie pick to me. Um, I'll take a stab. And then like I never really, you know, I don't I try not to pay that much attention to like I, I almost never go on keep trade cut. I don't really go on fantasy calc. Like I try not to keep up with what the market is i find it annoying um you know it's just sort of all what i started to notice was like you know last year it was like okay you know i'm not i'm not dumb right i can tell like oh my player's been shot well probably not a great time to trade him so i'll keep him um and then it was like he started he started games and he was doing stuff and i started being like oh i wonder if people are interested in brian robinson at all like why don't i start sending out some brian robinson offers and no one was interested in brian robinson um and then he started doing some stuff again this year and then I started just like, oh, I'll send some offers that that I think are just a little bit above what he's worth to me. And then people started hitting yes. And that was kind of how I learned, like, oh, I guess people like Brian Robinson now and that people like are interested in trading for him all of a sudden in a way that they they really weren't before. Uh, so like I, I often probably like in terms of these market things, it's like usually I just I just kind of trade for guys what I think they're worth. And then if I was you know, if I, if I, if then it turns out that I start valuing this player way more than the market does, it's usually I just find out by starting to roster a lot more of them. Um, and if I start valuing someone less than the market does, I start rostering a lot less of them. Um, and it's like, I'm just constantly sending out trade offers. Like every week I'm sending out trade offers in 30, 40 leagues. And I'm, I'm usually perceiving the market as I just see my exposures rising or falling. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we always talk about. The, the micro market should dictate. 90% of what you're doing. Like it's okay to want to like be up to date. I know JGB say you hate it, but I think it's okay to be like up to date on what the quote unquote market right. is. But at the end of the day, your micro market dictates everything. If you're like, well, the market says that Christian McCaffrey is worth, you know, two firsts over Josh Jacobs. 
but I can only get, you know, a second. Well, guess what? Your micro market's telling you exactly what you're going to get. And you have to be confident and comfortable moving within that market, which I think is a very important distinction. Well, well, that's why I think it's dangerous when fantasy analysts call people buys or sells without like really qualifying what the buy price is or what the sell price yep. is. Right. And then you some people say like, Oh, buy at market or sell at market. And it's like the market is so on. Un- is difficult. Like, I, you know, that's why I try to cut out that middle step where I just say like, here's what I think this player is worth. So like, you know, the example is going to be, how do you view someone like Kyron Williams? Well, if I was to, if my first answer was to be like, I think Kyron Williams is a buy or I think Kyron Williams is a sell, I, you know, in order to do that, first, I would need to have a very keen perception of what Kyron Williams' value is in the market, which like, I don't know. My guess is it's probably around an, an early to mid second round pick. I, I'm not sure though. That's, that's like my kind of estimation. Um, What's Kyron Williams worth in your league, Depeche? I don't have a fucking clue. Um, so is he a buy or a sell? I don't know. Are you the Kyron Williams manager? Um, you know, are you talking to the Kyron Williams manager? You know, what I do is I rank what I think he's worth. In this case, I have Kyron Williams ranked as my base two tier, which means effectively I think he's worth a mid-second. So is he a buy or a sell? I don't know. If someone was offering me a third or a second for current early second for Kyron Williams or a player that I think is worth an early second for Kyron Williams, then I guess in that league to me, he's a sell because I would sell him for that. Um, you know, if, if I'm able to acquire him for a late second, then I think he's a buy because I would buy him for that. That's, that, you know, that's really all I would be. So but I, I mean, most of the time, most of the time, the way I look at it is I'm not ever, maybe this goes into next week. Like I'm almost never trading for players. I'm especially in season, like in season, I'm almost always just basing my trades off of the managers and, and then my own team. Like, it's like, what, what position is my team? Am I trying to add play? Like, you know, every, every team I'm almost trying to do one of a few things, right? I'm either trying to like add some sort of stopgap points because I have a specific need, right? Like either my team's a little short or it's injured or something, or, I'm trying to sell all my players because I'm trying to tank or I'm trying to add an elite producer because I, I think that I'm, you know, one adding one big piece to make a big difference or I have a ton of value and I'm trying to consolidate into like a higher, younger elite asset. Like that's probably the, the main objective I'm trying to pursue on any of my 62 teams, almost certainly one of those four objectives. And then it's like based on where that team is, what are the managers who I think are most likely to help me fulfill that objective? Um, so, you know, for instance, okay, but I, I have a team that's, that has a lot of value and, and I have a few too many points on my bench and I'd like to consolidate, you know, I'd like to add an elite piece. So then I have to look at, okay, who are the teams that are inclined to sell an elite piece? And I would look at it and be like, well, are there any non-playoff teams that have a Diggs or an Adams or a cup or someone like that? You know, maybe, or are there any competing teams that have like a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or someone who I'd be willing to consolidate for, um, you know, and use my bench assets to add on top of like an older player, get one of those players, see me not producing as much. Um, and then I just try to craft the trades from there. But like, I'm not really saying like I'm set out to trade for X player. It's more like, what are the managers that might be amenable and what are the players that would fit? So in the case of a Kyron Williams, it's like, well, if I have a team you know, where it makes sense to sell a player like Kyron Williams, it also probably makes sense to sell like Brian Robinson. If I have a team that could use the services of a Kyron Williams, could probably also use the services of a Brian Robinson, right? Like I, it would just be a matter of on this team, does, if I need a running back, 
who does the team that wants to sell a running back? Yeah. No, I think I think that's a great point. And look, I know we kind of went off the rails on the the RB ranking thing. We've completely driven head first in the trade theory, which I, I'm I'm loving. Well, the patch has a good follow up too to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. All right, let's ask. But is the only everybody way- else? Can, I'll I'll get out of here. I'll answer my answer, and they can add this to me. <laughs> how do I determine the value? It's how I view the player. Yeah, I don't care how my league mates view the player. Like. If my if my league mates view my players less favorably than I do, then I'm not trading them that player. And if they view them more favorably than I do, then I am trading them that player. How do I value the player? It's how I value the player. Like I value Kyron Williams as a mid second. Whether I'm buying him or selling him in my league, then is entirely dependent on how other people value Kyron Williams. All I can control is how I choose to value a player, and then what makes sense for my team. And if there's a player where my value versus my league mates value and my team needs versus the players um, that could help those needs. If those things all align, that's when I'm buying or selling a player, but I'm not, I'm not assigning a Kyron Williams mid two value by like me sticking my finger in the wind and guessing at how other people value. I don't know how other people value. If you pull 12 people in your league, you're going to get at least five or six different answers on how he's valued. So I'm just saying that's how I value him. If you, you know, if you wish to listen to my advice on what to do with Kyron Williams, then presumably you care about how I value him. So that's what I'm telling you. If you disagree with how I value him, Godspeed, right? Like I, I'm not right. saying that I value him right, but that's all I'm putting is how I value the player. That's when I talk about a player's value, it's in terms of how I value. Them. So I think that that's a really interesting like distinction between the way you and I have been doing tiers right now is I feel like you definitely have a better handle over what your expectations are for players and you have a much better sense of how your personal values in them i'm still relying a lot more on how the market is valuing those players until i have like a very strong personal sense that i think the market's wrong that's been like one of my ways that i've been handling the teams it's helped me at times it's really burned me a whole awful lot of times too but it, it always goes back to those expectations and it, it's on then the manager themselves to say do my expectations meet the way that the rest of the league, like what their expectations are for these players, if that ends up working out and it also fits the way that you want to be building your team, then go ahead, make those trades, whether you're buying or selling, find whatever value meets the expectation for that and take advantage of it. Uh, yeah. I, I, th- I think what you were just saying at the end, that that's perfect. Uh, if you have people who are close to it, like the Kyron Williams and the Brian Robinson, if you can find someone who's willing to move that piece and you need a piece like that on your team, it doesn't really matter at that point, as long as they're in the same sort of expectation tier that you have and you can get them, then go out and do that. See, I look at how I value a player. It feels like way different. I do take the market into account and where I start my evaluation of that is everyone. If you know, the masses are saying on multiple websites and multiple sources, okay, well, Walker is worth two ones. Okay, cool. I'm going to start there, and then I'm going to weed out, okay, is there anyone in my league that thinks that way? Okay, awesome. Then I'm going to cash out. Okay, well, there's not. Well, speaking of um, 
Walker, Toronto Dave says, I've been trying to trade away Kenneth Walker for several weeks and no takers. Well, let's have a look at that. Did you base off the market first and then test all that out? And then have you tinkered? Okay, awesome. What's your selling point? What are you willing to do? And it gets to a point where I'm just not willing to sell that far below. And then I hold that player. Um, whether it's because I like them, I like the situation, I like their production. I start with base market value first. And then I kind of start downloading my either insecurities <laughs> of that player uh, into him, into his value. Or if I really love that player, I start downloading that into his value and I, I go from there. So that's how I perceive it, which I feel like is completely different than than everyone else here. But that's also why we, we get a lot of deals done, I feel like. That, that's um, way more eloquent way of saying why I was trying to get to there. Uh, <laughs> way, way better uh, phrasing of it. I, I would definitely say that, yes, the market, I think, is a, a very good place to start. And all those websites out there, reason why everybody goes back to them is, oh, yeah, and this is really a well, question, well, but it's because it's a because good it's universal. People go back to it because it's easy and they don't know how or want to figure it out for themselves. But, but you did have to have your own perspective on right. it. I, think I feel like that's something that's really tough, especially right. for people new to Dynasty to actually do is start building your own point of view, your own perspective, right. and then and start going out there and, and acting right. on it. And that's uh, the thing. Like, I don't sit there and I like I definitely – I'll DM Jake and be like, I'm kind of thinking about this deal here. Like, can I get – like some outside opinion, like am I going batshit and things like that? Nick Fury says playing only at market is tough because you can end up holding too long, never acquiring because you'll only pay at market. I and and yeah. I agree with that, which is why I start at market. And I think that's a clear differentiator is you start there and then you kind of adjust after you're basically told to kick rocks or that somebody's willing to pay more. Yeah. I've leaned into this like market hater persona. Shocker. Like, I think, I just think that the, like the fantasy community and Odyssey community, especially within like the Twitter bubble, has just kind of got, I think just adopted this bad. stuff too much to the extent that it stifles movement in leagues. Um, but I, I don't think that like, I'm, I'm not saying that a player, especially a new player in dynasty, like I hope this doesn't get misinterpreted. I'm not saying that a new player in Dynasty or whatever, like, should not ever look at KTC or something. Like, I, I think probably if, if I were, like, if, if a new Dynasty player came up to me and they were like, hey, like, I value, you know, your perspective. Um, uh, how, how should I go about, like, trying to figure out what players are worth? Um, or, like, or maybe not what players are worth, but how I should be figuring out what kind of trade offers to make or accept. Like, I think probably a reasonable place to start would be, yeah, you look at keep, you look at, I, I remember fantasy calc to keep trade cut. If you're looking at an aggregate source, whatever, you look at some sort of reliable aggregate source, just to at least get a ballpark of like how players are valued in relation to one another. And then, you know, if there's a few analysts you trust, if it's me, if it's Tom, if it's Lucas, if it's anybody that you follow, that you hear their process and you go, oh, this makes sense to me. I kind of like this. Look at their, you know, look at some of their rankings and then inject your own thoughts subjectively to what you think of those players. And, you know, yeah, I would say like as an easy way to start, if you can more or less get the market value of the players that you like more than the market, 
great. And you can sell at the market value for players you like less than the market. Great. Like that's probably a good way to, to operate things. I, I would say that the, the next level beyond that is figuring out a way to, you know, be a little flexible in applying your team situation to these market values where you're, you're kind of not necessarily, but I would say with the, with the market, maybe this is a better way of putting it. I think a lot of people look at the market and they say, you know, what I need to do with these trades is get market wins, right? I need to, to beat people in the market. And I think that the, the idea of this like macro market aggregation tools, keep, keep trade cot, fantasy calc, ADP, whatever else, when they're used as a tool, I think that they're excellent. Like I've had a lot of really happy, like very pleasant trade negotiations where get two people who are in different spots. I talk about this in, in my reasons to trade in dynasty piece. For instance, I'm tanking and another player is, is trying to add points. And so we agree like, okay, Hey, we're in a spot where we're make good trade partners. Can, can we come to an agreement on like a player that we view kind of similarly? And then we just figure out how to make like a market even deal where you get the player that makes a lot more sense being on your team than mine. And like that, that's like a very pleasant way of doing things when you then have, but when you have some teams where it's like, it's two people or it's like, ah, like the only way to do this trade is if I'm getting the market win, like Mm -hmm. it just stifles movement. It doesn't help your own team. You end up just holding players. You shouldn't hold end up buying players. You shouldn't buy. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just silly. Talk about all the time that, people that feel the need to win a trade are always the ones that blame the rest of the league that for not getting deals done. Like I've said on this show so many times that if you're the one in the league where you're looking around and you're the one not getting the deals done and you're constantly telling, calling everyone else in the league terrible at the, the, everyone only said trade offers. That's you. You're that person. If There's a guy in one of my leagues who done. is like one and nine and has Alvin Kamara. And every week they post, it's like, oh, can't believe Alvin Kamara is wasting away on this team. Someone better trade for Alvin Kamara. And it's like, you know, I send my like obligatory second and third. It's declined. Sometimes it's not even countered. Other times you'll get a counter of like a first. And it's like, well, okay. Like, um, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's cool. Like, um, if you're charging a first for Alvin Kamara, n- nobody's going to pay it. Um, I probably wouldn't complain right. about that. Right. It's like, and you know, that's, that's the end of the day. It's like, I always say like, if you're complaining about no one, like if you're complaining about no one taking the market for your deal, right. It's, it, that's, it's either your problem or it's your benefit, right? You, you think everybody doesn't value your player enough. Great. Yeah. I want the players that I think the mark that everybody else is wrong, right? If everybody else is wrong, everybody else thinks my player isn't good enough. Good. That should be the player that's on my team, right? Don't you want to have a team of all the players you value more than everybody else, right? That's how you find out. Nobody's willing to pay your price. Oh, oh, but yeah, but I can't do that. I'm three and seven. Okay. If you have a 27 year old player and you're three and seven, like, I guess that's your problem, right? Either you're going to be holding a 27 year old player or you're going to take a little less than you think he's worth, but you don't, it takes two to tango. You don't, you don't get to choose. So, well, you know, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, then I'm just going to keep repeating myself. So you, you, you <laughs> <laughs> it goes the other way too, right? Like um, 
oh, you're one and nine. I see you have Bijan on your roster. You don't need him. Uh, why would, why would, of course, I'm going to send you three seconds or, you know, my late first straight up for Bijan because that first is going to be more valuable to me or to you than Bijan would. You don't need a young running. Like, I know that again, I mentioned this, this rankings episode has turned into like a trade theory uh, and trade venting episode. Like, this is like therapy set. I feel like we need therapy. It's been really good for us, though. I, I feel better. Uh, I feel like we need like therapy. Mu- I might drop therapy music in behind for this episode to like set the ambiance of when this went off the fucking rails. But if you're not constructing your trades, like, if you're like, this guy needs a running back or I need a running back. Who does he have? He he's, you know, like Jacob said, three and seven, and he has Brian Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. I'm definitely just going to try to take Jameer Gibbs from him because that's, that's one of those two. That's the one of the two that he's definitely going to feel like moving. Cause he's, he's bad. Like, can you actually just logically construct, construct trades that work for both parties and stop being concerned about having to win and dummy the guy. I feel like that's the biggest trade difference between redraft and dynasty In redraft. It's really hard to get deals done because you have to win it. Like that's, that's the view, but we look at deals all the time, but we, we do this regularly. We like to torture ourselves in the legal record every year. We just start posting like the worst trades from 2020 or the worst trades. from. Can you believe we did this at the end of the day? Like, damn, we trolled that guy for that deal. But guess who ended up being right? Yeah. You don't know. You think you know. You don't you don't fucking know. You don't know. Right. So it's like trade. really all like all that all that trading, like getting the benefit of it in the market does is you just like you know, these things have such wide ranges of outcomes on every trade, right? Like mm-hmm. if I if I was to make a list of my top 10 like market w trades because in like the 10 trades that i was like most fucking pumped about the minute that they happened and then the trades like looking back that were like the 10 best trades ever like there would not be a ton of overlap on that list like there's a couple like really all the market w does is like if you're super wrong you're a little protected right like the trade will probably not be quite as bad as it would have been if you had traded away or traded for these players um you know, on, under even circumstances. And it, and it makes the opportunity for good trades to become even a little bit better, right? It's like, oh, like you traded for Jonathan Taylor when everybody thought he was terrible. Wait, and you also got him even a little bit cheaper than everybody else was getting him? Like, oh, now it's even better than a trade that already would have been good. But like most of the time, it's most of the time we see these trades go down in our leagues that we all get upset about. And it's like, Okay, what would have made it reasonable? Well, if they added a second. Well, how oftentimes do you look back on a trade like a year later and it's like, oh, the second was the difference. It's like nobody actually cares, um, yeah. you know, if the second was a difference. So usually it, it's pretty fleeting. Base Shaboba makes this point. Trading Arby's in season feels like getting an enema. It's either overbuying or underselling. Um, it can definitely feel that way, 100%. It's very uncomfortable. So I do have one more rankings question, and I've been wanting to get to it for a while, but yeah, just haven't uh, been good you have about it. cut us so, off, Lucas. Like, that's, that's what your job is. And I might be the host, but sometimes I get off on tangents, and you have to be the backup host that tells me to shut the fuck up. So Bijan Robinson's right now at a tier of his own. 
what is it going to take for him not to be in a tier of his own anymore? Because there's not running back in this class who's going to even come close to rivaling Bijan or even be a tier. No, these these twenty four running backs one or are two. Ass, bro. Yeah, it's 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 not looking good. So that means that oh, something's God. going to have to happen, most likely with the way that we're perceiving Bijan Robinson's value. So what is that action that has to happen for him not to be in a tier of his own? Or not is he just hurt. going right into that for a while? Um, I, think, I don't know. Like if I think if Gibbs doesn't get hurt, right? Like if Gibbs finishes out the rest of the year and he's getting that goal line work and he's scoring the touchdowns and he's still getting, then at that point, I don't see um, a reason why Gibbs can't jump up in that same tier. And honestly, same with Hall. Like I think there's a very real chance where Gibbs and Hall join Bijan at the end of the year, I don't think it's as likely, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And like, I might be playing narrative street a little bit with my tears, but if Aaron Rodgers does come back this year and he is somewhat capable of playing half of what he can be and can throw that ball to Brees Hall. I mean, I, in terms of just youth ability and production, I think those three are so similar that, they could end up in the same tier. Uh, I'm sure Jacob doesn't necessarily feel the same way, but it's getting to a point where um, I'm I'm willing to start looking at for sure Gibbs as same tier as Bijan. Like if we were to redraft the class, it'd be very hard for me to not view it differently in terms of Gibbs to Bijan. But I think there's a chance Hall joins them too. I really do. I mean, Gibbs are Bijan has no workload concerns inherently right like i understand that his concerns have existed this year but if you just try to zoom out he has the requisite size he has the requisite passing down ability um all of his efficiency stats um in both the receiving and the rushing game have been fantastic he has the draft capital he has like the the priors quote unquote there's just no hole in his profile um so to me it, it really is like a fundamental inevitability that he ends up having um, like a 20 plus 22 plus point per game season within the early portion of his career, barring a catastrophic injury. Um, whereas Gibbs, you know, it's just like the, the David Montgomery thing like matters and it doesn't matter. Right. It's like when he was getting talked about like, you know, Oh, should we, is Jameer Gibbs like a backup? It's like, well, no, like we should not care that much about David Montgomery playing a certain amount of snaps. But like then when we start talking about would we rather have him or Bijan in Dynasty, like, yeah, it matters that Gibbs is 199 pounds and that he's probably never going to see, you know, a full like 80% snap share over a sustained period of time that he probably wouldn't actually be all that good at it if he did it. Um, so like uh, that, that matters. Hall, a little different story. Like Hall's, I guess, kind of the same as Bijan in, in like a build skill competency perspective um you're older matters a little bit at running back already had an acl tear it matters to me um and you know so it's it's that's probably maybe closer from like an asset class perspective but i just think Bijan is so much safer in terms of the youth and the health and like there's just no questions that it just puts my mind at ease more um i'm seeing brian bring up cmc i think that is like nuts to me Personally, I don't think CMC has any place being anywhere in the first two tiers. Um, yeah. Agreed. He's 27. Like, 
I mean, just in terms of how much these guys are worth, like he's, he's just one injury away from like plummeting in value that it's just right. a lot of concern I mean, to me. Dipping at I all get it. Year he's going to plummet. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I guess it all depends. You know, it's everybody has, um, CMC is really in an asset class of zone, right? It's like, who would you rather have this season? It's him and there's no one he's even remotely close. And then it's just determining like at what point in time and your as you go down your running back risks is, uh, list is like that unique bet, right? He's like the Kelsey of running backs. It's like a, at what yeah. point in time are you willing to sacrifice X level of, of current and projected production and youth and everything for smash your whole league in the face um, <laughs> current value? Yeah. And I guess like for me, that breaking point is like Taylor and ETN, right? And, you know, I get it if other people have a higher, if it's Holland Gibbs. I would get it if people are like, no, no interest. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what else you're waiting for with Gibbs. I mean, he's just been elite and awesome and amazing. Um, he's He's very good. Very good. Uh, we had a question here. Javante on the up and up. Um, I'm mad that I doubted myself and my opinions of Javante after years of believing. And now he looks healthy and he's getting the work on an offense that is a lot better for fantasy than, than it once was. I have him on the up and up. Um, he, he's not pushing that top 12. He's close for me. He's 13 right now. But I have uh, I have a feeling this week. It's I, I try not to be too reactionary when I tell you the the receiving touchdown filled me with so much joy. He's on, excuse me. He's on the up and up for me right now. I just bought him for twenty five one. Um, that happened. Actually, yeah. actually, as a contending team, I I am way out on the twenty five class as of right now. The full tilt Devi show has been all over that. The twenty five class just looks woefully bad i'm happier moving off my 25 picks than my 24s right now even if the 24s are late um based on the information that i have right now i'm buying for a five one um this feels like maybe this is okay uh oh we're gonna get a rant now we can see I no guess. no i'm just no i'm actually contemplating what to say so i think i'm always so torn with this draft class stuff because on one hand, I always want to be buying the draft classes people think are shitty. Remember when the 2022 class was shitty? It wasn't shitty. Remember when the 2023 class was shitty? It wasn't shitty. Sure. Remember when the 20, you know, you know what's fucking great right now? The 2020 running back class. Like, that looks awesome, right? Checking in on those guys. Um, you know, the 2023 was supposed to be the great running back class. Turns out it was a horrible running back class. The wide receivers were all supposed to suck. Oh, it turns out they they rock. Um, right. We, we just we don't really know anything sure. realistically. Like all draft picks are, it's just like a bunch of darts to that. stuff stuff onto your roster and I, see what the hell happens. Um, totally understand that. That being said, I also think that there is an advantage to being ahead of the perception, right? Like mm-hmm. if we know that the Devi people are saying that the 2025 class is bad, it's like, okay, I, I do I think that they will be right when we actually like I in December of 2025. Do I care that much? Uh, if people thought the 2025 class was bad, I care a little bit, right? Not not a whole lot. I care I care enough in the sense of like 
is there going to be any quarterbacks or running backs that get drafted really high, right? If the answer to that is no, that hurts the class off the top, right? Like 2022 is kind of value capped in the sense that there um, are a lot of really good players, it turns out, from 2022, but there's no first-round startup picks from the 2022 draft class because Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback taken. Um, <laughs> hey, but so shout-out to uh, shout out Sam Howell. Right. So, like, I care that Drew Alar is ass, right? That, that matters to me. Um, do I care that much about what they think of the round two receivers and running backs? Not really. They're probably wrong. Right. Um, but Deputy said, well, do I care that everybody else is going to care? A little bit, right? Like, I care a little bit that, like, in a year, if everybody is talking about the 2025 class being bad, right now nobody knows. Like, there's outside of like Devi players, people in your average dynasty, if you ask them, is the 25 class any good? They'd be like, I don't fucking know, right? <laughs> so, to me, it's like pr- probably you want to get out ahead of that. But then also, no matter what, picks are still going to rise in value in the near term because now, like, so probably I think the move is. Once we get into the 2025 season, like in like the summer, like after the 2024 rookie draft, that's when you probably start moving the 2025 ones for the 2026 ones. Because the 2026 class, supposedly from the Debbie people, is pretty interesting, right? Archie, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Archie, let's go. We get Archie, we get we get Nico, we get Malachi. Like, I'm saying... One of the reasons that I'm comfortable moving that 25-1 instead of my 24 ones for a player like Javante Williams right now that I think is on the up and up is because I'm more comfortable in that I get a year to adjust my priors. I get right. another year to look at it and go, oh, crap, I need to readjust and start acquiring ones. And at the end of the day, I always want on a competitive team, which this one is, I want everyone else's ones, not my own, because I trust my ones to be higher than someone else's who I likely think is going to be dog water on a competitive team. And that competitive team can completely collapse in the next five months. Like everything could go wrong. And now I'm a bottom seed and I am begging, pleading on my knees, begging for my pickback and paying that five X price. Cause I know I'm going to be dog water. Um, so that's why I'm more comfortable when I say that I think the class is bad. I think the class is bad right now from the information that I've been able to gather at the Full Tilt Devi uh, podcast and beyond in the Devi community. Um, but I also know that I have more time to adjust. If I'm moving my 24 ones for these guys, I have limited time to adjust and I'm paying a steeper price to adjusting. I was ahead on in our, let's say our home league. I was the first one to start trading for first two plus years in advance and it gave me a, a small advantage until I traded all those picks away like a dum-dum. But I think there is an advantage to having that early stance. But if you're a good enough manager, it won't matter because you can quickly adjust your priors if need be and if you're willing to, which I think is really important. But to answer the question, yes, I think Javante's on the up and up. I'm probably capped out at my roster ship. I don't think I could go out and buy more at this point, but uh, I'd be willing to. Right. If if someone else wants to get out quickly, uh, based off the recent performances, I'm willing to go and have a listen. Right. And willing to if I can move like a wide receiver form or something, awesome. Like if I can move Nico Collins and something else, sweet. Like I'm I'm in. You do Nico plus for Javante. I would, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, interesting. I think I think Nico's fine, right? But he's his his peripheral numbers aren't 
aren't uh, as good as like I think I think Noah Brown's been equally good, if not better, in his role. Well, that's the well, that's the interesting thing with the Houston receivers is you get into this never-ending loop where you're like, are you know correct, Brian? It's like it was one thing when it was uh, it was one thing when it was Tank Dell and Nico Collins, and we were like, okay, we have this like young wide receiver who was kind of okay for two years, like interesting enough. And then he's breaking out. Okay. He's legit. Oh, and Tank Dell was, you know, this like third round pick who, who really knew, but okay, sure. Rookie could be good. They could both be good at once. That, that made sense. Noah Brown doing this shit after like, it's not, let's be clear. Noah Brown has not exactly been starved of opportunity. He ran like 500 routes with Dak Prescott, who's a mighty good quarterback. And he was donkey balls. Yeah. So, like, he's already played as a full-time player with a top-10 quarterback in the NFL and sucked ass. He's apparently now one of the most efficient receivers in the National Football League. It's At this point, it's like C.J. Stroud is Peyton Manning. And I don't know how to tell the difference between the Reggie Waynes from the Pierre Garçons from the Austin Collies particularly well yet. I saw that too. So, like, yeah. I think one of – Tank Dell and Nico is probably like quite legit. I think the other one's probably getting carried. I also, you also don't know how much it matters, right? Like from, from your Texans, from the organizational perspective, you're like, how good are Nico and Tank? Right. I don't care. They're good enough to be awesome with CJ Stroud. So we'll just invest all our resources into other shit, right? Like mm-hmm. if we have two young receivers who are more than adequate, we're not going to just keep replacing them. Like, well, right. we have we have a shitty O line. We have defensive issues. Like, let's do that, right? Like, C.J. Stroud, I think, is like, like how much money, how bad would the odds need to be for you not to bet on him making the Hall of Fame? I mean, right now, I mean, hey, I'm 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 all in like you are. So we're um... right. Like, if you were if you were to say like minus three hundred, he makes the Hall of Fame. Like, like what what are how about this? What odds would you need for him to bet on him not making the Hall of Fame? Like even money, three to one, five to one, ten to one. Need... Oh man, I'd probably I think five to one. I think I would. So take... you're, you're giving him eighty percent at a gold jacket, Lucas. You're the level-headed one here. What <laughs> what, what, is, what are you giving him as percentage for Canton? I mean, He's I'm just going off of what I know right now. Quarterback. He has played less than a full hey. season in the NFL. I'm not betting on him to make it into the Hall of Fame. We have fun. I, here. I'm just. I'm not going to. We have fun here. Okay. So okay. So if I give you even money, so if I give you even money odds, you're taking not Hall of Fame. Exactly. Wow, this guy's a loser. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a big Debbie Downer. It's fine. What an absolute. You know what? He is making Damian Pierce you look think bad. So it's making Damian Pierce is making Damian Pierce look. Do you think CJ Stroud is the second best quarterback in the NFL today? No. Oh my gosh, no. I think he is. Oh. I think yes. the only quarterback I would take this season, not Dynasty, IRL, is Patrick Mahomes. That's interesting. I'm not going there. Um, nah, I can't do it. I can't. Like, if I was to, other than Patrick Mahomes, maybe, maybe this, maybe I'll sell you on this one if you won't take that off take. Other than Patrick Mahomes, I love that we're getting hot takes from Jacob. CJ Stroud has the second best chance of any active quarterback of being the greatest quarterback of all time. If we were to fast forward 
20 years and say, who's the best quarterback of all time? I would say that the most likely answer to that question is Tom Brady. The second most likely answer to that question is Patrick Mahomes. The third most likely answer is CJ Stroud. And then the fourth most would be Caleb Williams. Wow. I, I can't, I can't do I would, that. I would, I would be interested. Well, okay. Who would you take? Time? Right. Like, well, cause here, well, here's my take, right? I'm saying, I'm not saying he's going to be the third best quarterback of all time. I'm saying Tom Brady's already better than every quarterback who existed before our current time. So every quarterback who isn't Tom Brady and is currently retired has a 0% chance of surpassing Tom Brady. Who's also retired. So they're out. Right. And then I'm saying like Patrick Mahomes as a, you know, a puncher's chance of passing Tom Brady. And then I look at everybody else in the league or everybody else who could come into the league. And I say, okay, who has a better, who has the next best chance of either finishing the career being thought of as, as better than Tom Brady and better than Patrick Mahomes. Right. So it's like, I don't think Josh Allen is a very good chance. You can say, I think Josh Allen has a better career than CJ Stroud. Sure. That's possible. But in this very specific question that I've crafted, like, <laughs> I think it's more likely that the guy with zero career games, Caleb Williams, or eight career games in CJ Stroud has a better chance of being thought of as better than Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes than like Josh Allen. Like I think it's like extremely unlikely that Josh Allen is considered better than Tom Brady at the end of his career. And are you just saying this primarily based on we are looking at them right now and we can, I don't want to say definitively say, but I think all of us agree that Patrick Mahomes right now is the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, by a lot. Because we don't know what the ceiling or what the actual is for, uh, for Stroud, then he has that better chance. Like, I, I understand betting on that. I don't know. I'm not like, betting him on over Mahomes. I'm betting on I Mahomes. I know, but over. like everyone non Mahomes. No, Will Levis. I'm seeing Will Levis as the same chance. Look, I like Will Levis. <laughs> he does not have the same chance. A C.J. Stroud. Like, uh, C.J. Okay. Stroud, like, okay, this is not even a hot take. This is like an objective We're way, fact. We're way off base. C.J. Stroud is having the best rookie season of all time, of any position. I think that's like an objective fact. I don't even think yep. that that's like a hot take. I think that's oh, just that true. Yep. He is having the Jonathan best rookie season year. of anyone ever. Yep. Like, I mean, he has turned a wide receiver room. Like, I don't know. You got to think about this, too. What are the odds that in the context of a bad offensive line and no running game, that a journeyman bum, a third round rookie with a pretty questionable prospect profile and a third year player with some ups and some downs in their profile have all simultaneously become awesome. Pretty low. (laughs) Like what's, what's more, what's more likely that like we're seeing an absolutely like phenomenal special supernova blasted into earth to change football forever yeah i don't, I don't know when this became and people said that 11th overall was hot it's not hot it's, it was cold i was wrong i was inconsolably too low on cj stroud two weeks oh, ago man. i should be pilloried and stoned and tarred and feathered for my hatred of cj stroud at 11th overall uh yeah he's anything lower than four in your dynasty rankings is is egregious this point forward in my opinion he is at four for me right now i haven't hit publish yet but he is at four it is mahomes allen or sorry is mahomes hurts allen stroud that's Lamar herbert 
is what I have. Okay. I'm making every show a Stroud show, even if it's about running backs until he's given the respect that he deserves. It's the greatest. I, just, I think you're right. I just, I just don't know. Um, See, I mean, Brian, I'd love to hear the case against this. I, I, don't, I don't understand what, uh, what else you need from to see from like, CJ Stroud? What like what? I don't get it. No, I, I don't I don't get it either. Every every bit of his data looks amazing, passes the eye test. Um, he's a, and Toronto. I want to talk about Lamar for a second because I said I tweeted this the other day. Um, I don't think Burrow still clears. If you look at age, you're getting similar production. Um, out of a rookie with a not Stroud's better than him. It's um. Let's talk about Lamar for a minute. He is the worst elite asset you can own in fantasy football. He is. He's an elite asset. But you he go has- through this. You go. You go through this like Lamar tilt every, every, every year. year. You go. You go up and down. It's because he plays for your favorite team. Because you because you're so in it. Look, he is the bet. Look, as even just looking at fantasy, you see like 10, 9, 12, 45, 15, 9, 51. Right, like he is the worst. He is the best elite asset you can have. You should, yeah. You should, you should trade all your shares away. I'm, hey, I have been asking around in home league uh, if I can move him. Trust me, you can uh, move him. Those I mean, confirm to you that you can move him. Oh, right, we'll we'll talk after this. Um, Toronto, this this has become a CJ Stroud show again. Um. Herbert is arguably ahead of Stroud too at the moment. Just, Stroud is in the combo. We're still having back into that tier. He we're already getting so I I'm not using a small sample argument to describe rookies. What other kind of sample do you want them to have? Right. Eventually you eventually you have to either buy in. And this is one thing that we mentioned, right? Where if you were in on Justin Herbert as a rookie, you profited. Right? You you got to profit off of that because what you were buying him for was three times cheaper than what you had to pay to acquire him a year later. So at some point you have to buy in before people catch up and still you're paying at that buy-in is still going to end up being manageable. If you, if it goes South buying like outlier level elite rookies is like the easiest investment in fantasy. Like they, there's just so few exa- like like there's plenty of people who have like good rookie seasons and you're like oh man was this guy good is this guy not i don't know right like the elijah moores your chase claypool like whatever that that can go either way but like incredible one of the best of the decade type rookie seasons at their position right if they just start doing this right off the jump a couple games in two games in three games in just being like yep i'm buying high it almost never fails um we should get back to about running backs. I've derailed the show. Tank Dell over Javante for me, Bindles. Tank Dell or Javante? Yeah, I'm I'm taking Javante straight up. I think Javante has legit RB1. Uh, like top 12, not the RB1, but top 12 upside. Look, this episode has gone completely off the fucking rockers. We intended to do a running back. I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add an audio clip at the very beginning of the show where I'm like, um, "Today's episode was supposed to be the about the running back rankings and how we do our tiers," and it turned into not fucking that. And then I'm gonna say, "Enjoy the episode," and post it because this was so, not an RB rankings episode. I actually, um, absolutely love that. Um, Lucas is dying back here. I can't tell if he's laughing or crying. My brain's broken right now uh but so we did talk about tears a lot which was good um yeah rankings i'm i'm broken inside a little bit because 
the the logic behind what Jacob's saying is making too much sense to me that it, it hurts me inside a little bit, but I I don't think I can pull that trigger, even though it logically makes sense. And I I understand what you're what you're saying with that and that just based off what we've seen yes there's tons of unknowns with cj stroud but yeah he 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 does make a lot of sense um yeah my my mind is not uh what it used to be now it's just it's a bowl full of mush uh so yeah that's that's been fun and talking about running backs has been fun but oh gosh yeah I, I I see Toronto Day's approach for me is it's not about lack of confidence in Stroud, but rather respect to the established studs. I understand that take. I I think I think that's a an okay stance to have. It's not the stance that I have, but um I, I think that's a an, an okay stance to take. Uh Brian said exactly that's why I'm not a day trader uh day trader dynasty person. Yeah, that's fair. Yes, workers only has small sample, but this is just my approach. I'm not saying uh don't buy him. I'm not I'm not saying not a high, a big ceiling. I'm saying not fourth. Yeah, that, and again, that can be your approach. I think sure. at the end of the day, um, that's what makes dynasty special is that's how you can get trades done. Um, I get it. I get, I get it. If you're like, look, Herbert Burrow, whatever they're older, who cares? I know what they are. So I'm not going to bother taking on any risk. Like I'll take the out. Like if, if your approach is like at worst, Stroud's like the same, but younger. Um, that's not that big of a deal. I'll just take the, guy who is um who like i have more confidence in the sample of that that's like reasonable it's totally reasonable um i man i do want to answer this question but we've been an hour and a half let's answer it let's answer the question all right let's answer the question Uh, (laughs) we're already down the rabbit hole lucas is screaming knowing that he's got to go to bed relatively soon but we're going to answer this anyway at, at back to running backs we're going to shift back to running backs yeah. at what point do we consider never buying an injury prone running back and i just want to stress i know oh. we often say there's no such thing as an injury prone running back there's just running backs who will inevitably get hurt but in cases like this this is true to fact like pour one out for jk uh consider never buying an injury yeah. running back like jk dobbins or are we still buying him considering his value being really low? I'll start this off by saying I am buying a lot of Nick Chubb and stashing him on my IR. I am not buying a lot of J.K. Dobbins because I think his value is done. Same with uh, Cam Akers. I will never right like at some point when you get double catastrophic injuries, pretty much back to back, I'm out. But somebody like Kyler Murray when he tore his ACL, Nick Chubb when he tears everything in his leg and is posting pictures of like the broken Batman mask on on X.com. I'm in. Like, I'm hype on that already. In three months, we're gonna get hype Nick Chubb squat videos on the feed again, and I'm gonna be all the way back in. I think there is a clear distinction on when and when not to buy these injured players. So I'm interested in here uh, everyone else's take here. Jacob. Lucas. Oh, I, I wanted Lucas to go first. I've been right. talking too much. So, <laughs> uh, Dobbs, unfortunately, or not Dobbs. I, I saw the Dobbs coming. And now, like I said, my brain's broken at this point. But with J.K. Dobbins, it, it is sad. I'm okay with getting him, but it would, I mean, everything's for the right price. I'm, I'm so much more comfortable having Nick Chubb, though, because I feel like, and, 
This is going to be back to one of the things that Jacob said he doesn't like, but I feel like the market's going to respond much better to Chubb, and he will have that value going in next season that I can move him again if I just I want a different asset after that. I think he still will hold value. I have no confidence at all that Dobbins will hold any value going into next season, especially also with the fact that like uh, Mitchell's doing well right now. That that's, shouldn't be the end-all be-all here, but I feel like they can move off Dobbins extremely easy. I feel He like, doesn't even have a contract. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, I'd much rather have. Chris, this is the paradox. There, there's a bit. There's a big difference between um, between injury prone running backs and injured running backs, right? Like I, I uh, <laughs> like I get I get tilted when people are like, you know, talking about a perfectly healthy player that is injury prone. Um, I think that you're allowed to consider the player without an Achilles. Like that's that's a pretty reasonable consideration. Um, am I buying Dobbins? Sure. I think I have him ranked in like the base third tier. Um, I have bought Dobbins. I bought him for Rondale Moore. Um, that's yeah, that's exactly the type of deal. You're like in. I wouldn't trade him. Basically, pick. basically like if I have something on my roster, here's how I view Dobbins. If there's something on my roster that I'd be willing to drop if my team was tanking for 101, I will trade any of those assets for JK Dobbins. I'll also trade a fourth for JK Dobbins. Uh, if so, like basically, if the person is like J.K. Dobbins is literally nothing, he's never playing again in the NFL, he's no longer even in the player pool. I'll be like, sure, he's in the player pool for me. Um, it, it, I would not trade anything of value for him. Like, I, I think that the it would be a significant upset if he is ever a starting fantasy asset again. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm inclined to agree. I wouldn't even trade. I wouldn't trade a fourth round pick. You can get your Pukunakuas and. And any tight end that plays um, for those picks, and yeah, I, I yeah, think if you're if you're a tanking point. team and someone's like, I want Dante Foreman, it's like okay, like sure, I could re-roll him into Dobbins, I guess. That's yeah, fine. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's sick. I think that this was a fantastic show. I think as I want to mention this again, when people aren't talking, Chris uh, Sanzo says this was the paragon of running back shows, perfect balance, which means we mentioned running backs for like 20 minutes and then right, never right. mentioned them again till an hour later. Cause Chris hates every running back and Toronto day says I'm an injury prone fantasy manager. I, I got you on that one too. My, my whole body aches every single day guys. Um, it's time. Let's get into player picks and get the hell out of here. Let's get this, this oh, yeah, right. We're going to hit almost two hours and I'm not sure how people are going to like that on fantasy points. I'm not sure how much, uh, how often they get content like this, uh, this long, but we're going to give it to you. So here we go. Okay. So once again, I have to remind everyone every week we play this game, where we pick a player outside of the top 15 for quarterback outside of the top uh, 15 for running back outside of the top 24 at wide receiver and outside of the top 10 for tight end. We tally up those points every week. The winner at the end picks the drinks of choice of the other hosts on the live draft show, which looks like it'll be day three from now on with the fantasy points live stream of day one and two. We will we'll uncover doing... the next Puka Nakua. Right. We're going to do that. And we're going to discuss fantasy implications of everything that we saw through the day, quick reactions, all that kind of good stuff. While the others drink the drinks of choice of the person who wins this game. And as I mentioned, I've been in the fucking lead almost the entire year. 
I feel really good about myself. I said almost the entire year, Lucas, bite me. Um, but for someone who's now in last, Lucas, uh, at 421.24 points, you get to go first tonight. Vacation was good for the soul, but was not good for my <laughs> weekly point standings. Uh, yeah, I, I went into vacation with the lead, and now I'm 20 points behind the lead. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know how this happened. But moving on to more fun things. Uh, so I like the match. I am better. I am better. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a fun tweet, too. Whenever I sent that tweet out about the new uh, Fantasy Points tool for their matchups and stuff, mm-hmm. I truly thought I was in first. That... I had not checked the points at that point. So that was a, a rude wake-up call for me. Uh, on to my picks, though. Uh, quarterback, I have Jordan Love. I like the matchup. Don't love the player, though. But just going with the gut thing, and since Thomas already had warrants and Sorry, not to spoil things, but I, I liked your Thanks, I liked your uh, swinging for the fences here. Uh, going with Chandler, uh, running back uh, with the two former Tennessee players. Although then Chandler went to North Carolina. Uh, another fun thing, still like the matchup, and he looked good in his limited usage. Uh, Tank Dell, especially if Nico Collins happens to be out again, he's been really good so far. So that's my wife receiving. Oh, lost my voice there, and. Uh, Oh my gosh! Why can't I say anything? My brain's broken, guys. Wait, what I, are your what, what are the wide what are the wide receivers have to be ranked outside of top twenty? Tank Dell's not too high. No, he's Tank 20, Dell's in the top twenty four. He's it's top twenty, right? Or it is one hundred percent the top twenty four. It is, is always it? in the top twenty four. Tank Dell's like number twenty. Brain, he's twenty two. Last I checked. You know what? Fine. I will pick another right wide receiver now. really fast. Give me just one second. I didn't call out. Uh, See, I thought last week Lucas had a wide receiver that was higher than I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Cheater. I think you just dock 10 points off him right now. I think we absolutely should. He was so mad that we let your picks stay in uh, when you were the only one that made him. True. And he's trying to make it up in the aggregate. Uh, he's just out here. By the Armstrong. By the Nico Collins. Let's go. Let's deal with it. it is what it is. Unless nope. You already have Nico. Son of a gun. I just go Noah Brown. Just say it's Noah okay. Brown and just pick a. Tech. No, you can. You can have. You can have whoever. You don't. I don't need. No. I don't need to pick no, Nico because probably good. not even gonna play. It's all good. Um, all right, you can have Nico. I'm gonna switch. No, I'm going with DJ Moore. I'm going to hit okay. DJ Moore again, and I'm hoping with. Uh, Fields coming back, they can rekindle some of that magic. I just so want to be organized I'll one day. One day we're going right. to be organized. That's in my pick. It's done. It's all over. In I second is Jacob. He's rolling up uh, with a respectable 424.66. All right. I am going to roll with a quarterback. Um, look, I don't know if he's back. But he's at least respectable, and he has a good that, matchup that this week. That throw last night was insane. That was sick. Didn't it remind you of the locket throw on Thursday Night oh, Football? It was like, so disgusting. It's so fun. Uh, so I'll take Russell Wilson. Uh, it's spicy. Um, and then I'm going to take Jerome Ford. Uh, truly, truly becoming like a my guy type player for me here. Um, Bill Ford, tough. He has gotten his first two weeks up over a 60% snap share in the last two weeks. So it felt like it feel like it took them a while to recognize that he's clearly the best running back in their backfield, but they have eventually figured it out. Um, 
He still loses some short yardage work to Kareem Hunt, which is pretty annoying, but he gets all of the receiving work and he is now getting the majority of the carries between the 20s. And I expect him to have a healthy diet this week against Steelers. Uh, This is just funny. Um, For the people that remember my former motto, uh, this is an off-brand pick, but this week and this week only, I do fuck with Tyler Boyd's. Uh, because we're going to take Tyler Boyd here because I forgot that Nico Collins had an injury and almost certainly won't play. Uh, so I'll take Boyd. Plays the Thursday night game against Baltimore. Jamar Chase is still in some sort of pain. Um, I expect him to have a lot of attention on him. And so, sure, why can't Boyd come in and play a, a significant second fiddle role in what should be a rare, fun Thursday night football game? And then I will take uh, Luke Musgrave. Uh, they've been using him more down the field on scenes the last couple of weeks. He's actually getting some air yards uh, versus just running him out on a million flat routes like they did the first few weeks. So excited for to see what he does. Um, and at least it can help siphon off some of uh, Tom's quarterback points. Right. And I just want to point out, Dylan, I see your question. Uh, what you're describing is 100% collusion. I know you said not collusion, but that's colluding. Um, I don't quite know how to answer that without it ending up being colluding. But when two players devise a plan to beat another family member in a family league, and you need to figure out how you can make this trade look not like obvious collusion, that's collusion. And uh, you don't <laughs> want to do that. That's- no collusion. It's not collusion. No obstruction. It's not it's collusion. It's a great deal. It's, it's just the my team. I'm I'm eight and two. Ivanka's two and eight. She wants to make sure we beat Biden. So she's gonna <laughs> trade me Travis Kelsey. It's fine. It's not collusion. <laughs> they leaked her trade. Um. Yeah. No. That's one. Daily New York Times says it's collusion, but they're out to get me. <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna find out who all they are, and we're going to send them the Dynasty yeah. Points episode. The crooked right? Fantasy Points Media Group is out to get me. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so good. Uh, but back back to the task at hand, which has been difficult on this program. Today. Hand. We've been it having such a great time. I have to be the powers that be. He, he says he knows and he, he he gets he he's in on the bit. He's in on the bit. Um I am your leader in this game once again at 441.7 strong and dominant points. These aren't weak, meager points, these are strong. <laughs> points. These are dominant points. We're not squeaking these points out. I'm I'm definitely scraping every player that's just outside of the parameters of this game now that Lucas knows once again what the correct parameters are. I just went through the Persian history. It's top 20. The champion champion is speaking. Um, Thanks. Um, I've been saying 20 anyway. I've been, I've been, I've been saying top 24 for weeks here and no one corrected me. So I've never picked a top 20. I always pick top 24. That's right. Uh, That's anyway. why I've been losing to Lucas. I've been picking all these bums yeah. ranked at 25. Where's my button? I need my. All right, let's get some order. Order on this show right now. I'm trying. The champ is trying to speak here. We got Trevor Lawrence. There's no way he's this ungodly bad again. It's got to be a squeaky wheel situation eventually. Um, I think he's hashtag not good uh, at fantasy football, but I need him here this week. I think the matchup is pretty okay. Good spot for a bounce back. Hashtag right about Calvin Ridley. Uh, hashtag Christian Kirk forever. 
Uh, I'm going to take Javante. He's getting the workload. He's scoring some touchdowns, back-to-back 20-point weeks. We like that. I think Marquise Brown, who surprisingly had no points this week, they just missed on a deep touchdown. Second game back with Kyler Murray. I love the um, what I hope is going to be a legit connection with Marquise Brown. And David Njoku has quietly been getting his targets. Dropped some horrendous mm-hmm. passes this last week in a game that I don't really want to talk about too much. Um, but I'm going to take David Njoku because he's he's a one-play-and-gone type player. And he who shall not be named uh, is actually starting to play up to par, up to snuff a little bit here. So I'm going to go with David Njoku to maintain my first. I don't care. I don't care what you just sent me, Lucas. This is just how it is. This is how it will be. Okay. Um, just as it has always been. I push the buttons and we've all learned that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to, so you've been just been picking players that are way up the rankings and we just never caught it. Uh, yeah, we should dock him like a hundred points. We should, until we switch to fantasy points, I always put my ranking that I saw last on uh, my players. Uh, and so then we just, you know, we were streamlining it. I was just playing uh, last name. Boo! Top boo, 20. And I fact, Cheater! Cheater! In fact, y'all have been doing like the 15th on multiple times, so it's fine. It is what it is. Yeah, but it, it, I will say, I will say, in the past couple of weeks, after I was first, if I've been cheating, it has not been helping me. It's been really, really hurting me. It's it owned scrub. Sad. Okay, look, yeah. that's that's gonna do it. That's our show for this evening. Great time. What did you just? <laughs> I was repeating what you said. Just the get get owned scrub was, was truly incredible. <laughs> The only thing that would have been better is if you said get pwned, scrub. Get good. Get good is another great one. Get good, scrub. Yeah. Uh, fun- Learn to play. I always love doing this show, and today feels like a little bit different than shows we've done in the past, and there's just something about that. I feel like every week we're just growing with this program, and again, shout out to Scott Barrett and John Hanson, everyone at Fantasy Points, giving us the creative freedom to do what we do here to have these conversations, important conversations that you need to be having with your league mates and yourself at the end of the day, because the only way you get better is to question what you already know and discuss some things that you maybe had never thought of before. And that's what we're here to do. And remember, if there's content you want to know, I should probably say this earlier in the show, not an hour at 45, but if there's content you want to hear about, if there's discussions you want to hear about players, takes, uh, we are doing a trades episode next week. Uh, it's all trades. So if you have those trade questions, next week is the time to send them. We're going to do more trade philosophy, even though we covered it for like an hour in this running back rank show, um, because that's how we do things. Next week's going to be a huge week. But if there's content you want, you have to let us know. Submit it, DMs, comments, Discord, all avenues, and, and we will cover. We are here for you at the end of the day. Whew. Jacob, as always, you have thinking about thinking. Those links are in the description. If you're not signed up to, uh, in my opinion, the best sub stack there is, um, that's where you're going to want to do that. Again, link in the description. Lucas, you have the Full Tilt Devi pod that is tomorrow over at Full Tilt Fantasy Football. And uh, me, I'm just all over the place there at Fantasy Points, where you find all my content. My ranking update should be done tonight, if not tomorrow. I'll be in the Discord going back and forth. I love the activity. It's getting more and more 
in that discord every day from when I first popped in and it was a barren empty place. It is now full of philosophy, trade questions, back and forths and philosophy. real brainstorming. And that's what we like to see. We're cultivating an active. Who's your community. favorite philosopher? Uh, Drake. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Drake. Uh, Lucas the philosopher you... Drake once said, <laughs> are you not? We're going to have to do a show now based on Lucas's facial reaction that I have now for all time. When I said Drake, we're going to have to do this thing where it's like, who said it? We're going to have to just find a bunch of Drake quotes and, yeah. and ask, uh, uh, should I take we have, uh, discipline? Just ask, should I, should I trade Keenan Allen and ETN for Eckler? Absolutely not. No, I would keep Keenan Allen and ETN instead of going and getting Eckler. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really matter who else you have. Uh, I just like Etienne and Keenan Allen is like not oh, dynasty. Hey. Same, same thing. It doesn't matter to me. Eckler has been not very good. John Day says LMAO. We got to get out of here. Uh, I don't want this to hit two hours. I still got to edit this thing before we put it back up. RIP to me. Wife is going to be mad. That's okay. That's the sacrifice that we make. Remember to check in on your loved ones. Remember that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days. Well, goddamn, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody.